Morning, team. Monday morning. Thank you, Christo. Most entertaining. I've never heard so many different interpretations of the Bible. Isn't it funny? Everybody thinks they know the Bible. Well, you know, when I read it the other day, it said this. And every single person is different. And as for gay vicars, you can't move around our way. It's a veritable fairyland in the church. I mean, I don't know why people keep quoting the Bible. It says in the Bible, man shall... Oh, it doesn't. Don't be so silly. Really, it's quite... I've never heard so much bigotry in my life. I love it. Because you suddenly realise that you're actually quite normal and the rest of the world are barking bloody mad. News is next. LBC. Oh, we kicked out uh, that Metcalf woman from Hollyoaks. There's me hoping it was going to be the bloke with the Victoria Cross. Never mind. Always next week, I suppose. Here's the news. On FM, I'll have your say on London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen, LBC 97.3. Morning, team. Nice to be company. My God, they were all out with you overnight, weren't they? They were. <laughs> what amazed me, I don't know what I was more amazed with, and just in case you've only just turned on the radio and you missed it, it was, it was the usual bunch of bigots coming out, people whose interpretation of the Bible was, was quite staggering, because I'm not sure if I've read from the same book. Yeah. I think there must be quite a number of Bibles. There's the stupid people's Bible, then there's sort of the averagely stupid people's Bible, and then there's the Bible that everybody else reads, and then there's sort of a few crackpot Bibles mm. where people say, oh, I interpret it. I thought... Well, you know, there is only one, I thought. I didn't know that the Lord God Almighty read loads of, and writ- wrote loads of Bibles. It's like Katie Price, you know. He has a different one out every couple of years. He seems to have a different one out. And, of course, it was, it was, a, it was a, a different interpretation of any who interpreted the blooming thing. Mm. And then, and I didn't believe the woman who said that uh, she booked the hotel but didn't tell them she was black and then turned up and the bloke went, I'm not letting you in. I just didn't believe that story you, at all. Do you know what she kept saying to me as well? And you, you, you could tell that I was black by my, on the phone. I was like, I didn't even, consi- I didn't even think about I it. I never, the funny thing, that didn't come over. What? Yeah. I thought, I've ne- you know, I, I was just amazed. I, colour didn't come into it at all, because you can't choose colour in the same way you can't choose to be gay. You don't sort of wake up one morning and go, do you know, I think I'll be a whoopsie today. Yeah. What a day it's going to be. And, uh, <laughs> do, do you know anyone who would think, my life will be so much easier at school if I do that? I can <laughs> wear pink, and, and I can skip down the road, it's and hold... Hilarious. It's actually, really bizarre, but it does bring out the worst in people. But it, it's, it's, it's frightening, and... I think that the, the I could tell you were disturbed. Nice. I was t- I'm totally disturbed. Well, I wasn't actually. at all disturbed. I, I, I just kept thinking it's London. I mean, I'm accepting the fact that it's full of people who harbour the most awful prejudices. I, I, I don't know how they actually manage to live the life. I'm slightly demoralised. Oh, are you? Oh bit, no, 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 no. I mean, I I I, I find them mildly entertaining because I just think you really must have an odd life. If you seriously go through... Because, they, because it most of these people who were sort of professing to read the Bible and everything else seem to worry about homosexuality quite a lot. They seem to worry about an awful lot, a lot. If, they, if you had to, like, list everything that you're supposed to not approve yeah. of, that would be so tiring. And yet, so many people within churches are gay. Mm. You know, and, and more child abuse within church. Yeah. So I, I just didn't... I didn't quite understand where we come from. It, it was almost as if Christianity was the excuse, which, of course, it isn't. It's like turning somebody away because you're Christian. I'm terribly sorry. We are atheists. You're Christian. We're not having you in here. Well, exactly. The Christians be up in arms. We get this disgraceful. It's bigotry. It's it's uh, it's just not pleasant. Well, religion is a choice, whereas your like you say, your colour, your sexuality, and all those things aren't. But religion is a choice. You choose to hold those views, whereas your your sexuality. Well, when I went color- to church, I didn't sort of I didn't start behaving like you know some mad thing. Well, exactly, it's going around condemning choice. people. It's a choice. It's yeah. a choice to condemn people. We thought it was fun. It was great. We're meeting people as well. <laughs> It was great pickup, church, church youth group, fabulous. Oh I don't know about anybody else, God. but church youth group, the Tuesday night club where we were, I'm telling you, hotbed, hot. I mean, that was where you went because in my day there were no, you know, you had youth clubs, but they were normally affiliated to the church. Oh my God! 
And you've only got to ask people about convent girls, they'll tell you. <laughs> and that's true. And I got no. in, in St Albans or, or some of the... Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything more. No, but that, that's what it was, that the church youth group, which, which we ran in conjunction with our local church, it was just boys to meet girls. There wasn't anything else. Mm. We didn't have to do anything. The vicar was very liberal, and when I say liberal, he was liberal, let me tell you. I mean, we used to be able to drink, you know, and we were quite young. But we went away camping, in the literal sense. We went to the Isle of Wight, went everywhere, and it was just... And nobody ever went, oh, Christians, or something like that. We just, we just had a laugh. Mm. Nowadays, they seem to... They've got so many chips on their shoulder about things. Do you think, yeah. lighten up! You know, you've got to loosen up a little bit. I mean, some of them you had this morning, more chips than Harry Ramsden's, I'm I know, afraid. I know. But, of course, the best thing on television last night... The best thing, Strictly Come Dancing. They've introduced a new new category. Oh, Dancing on Ice, you mean? The fight. Last night, Jason Gardner, who's sitting there looking like an advert for Hovis. Yeah. And they have on that, um, the, um, uh, the soldier. Right. Who's got the VC. Who can't dance for toffee. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I've got, apart from that, he's got a VC. What the hell he's doing there? I've got no idea. They go to an agency for these people. Mm. Perhaps he now thinks he's a celebrity. He's been dancing since October. We're now into February. He can't dance for toffee. And so Jason says to him, listen, you cannot, you know, you've been here a long time. It's just not good enough. You know, you're yeah. supposed to be. So Karen Barber, now you know Karen, who's going out with Christopher Dean. They are living together. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yes, he's done around. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are an item. She's, she's, she's odd. So she starts interrupting and saying, listen, I think he's done very well. And all this kind of thing. And he goes, listen, darling, if people valued your opinion, you'd be sitting on the panel. <gasps> OK. So, because well, what they've done for Karen Barber is they've sort of created this new role of sitting on a chair by yourself. Yeah. Basically, she's, she's head trainer, which head I trainer. always thought was what Torval and Dean did. So I don't know yes. what, why Well, it's she's because there. she's going out with Christopher Dean that they've kind of invented something <laughs> for her. So they've sat her on a chair and they've made her think that she's important. So he says, if people valued your opinion, you'd be on the panel. So, of course, the crowd go boo. But, so she stands up. And she does the usual blatant lie. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I thought, well, everybody else bloody heard it, dear. Of course you heard it. Don't be so, stri-. so she goes over to him and she said, do you know, she says, you're just unpleasant. She said, people don't like you. And he sits there and smiles quite sweetly. And I thought, there's going to be a fight. But it showed the nasty side of Karen Barber. You know, she isn't important. Nobody knows who she is. She's just there. They got rid of Nikki Slater off the panel. Mm. You know, the two of them together, very sweet but very dated. And now they've tried to tartar up and make her as if she's important. But and they've by... gone, you are sort of in... And you think, no, that's Torval and Dean. By saying all of this, though, it means you are agreeing with Jason Gardner. I absolutely agree with Jason oh, okay. Gardner. Nobody valued her opinion at all. She's not on the panel. She's not there to... He was telling it because he's paid to sit on mm. the panel. It's like, you know, I'm paid to have opinions here, and then you sit... Well, he's, and I said, well, I couldn't care less. You know, you can have your opinion. <laughs> Still got the Steve Allen show written above it. You know, whatever happens, which I always find mildly entertaining. But it was... I thought it was going to develop into a punch-up, but she... All of a sudden, she came like a really nasty person. So, Whereas yeah. he was just going... He was quite right. But it I know, was that's so rude. That is so rude because she must be she must be quite uh, dejected and sad that she's been taken off the panel and doesn't have a scoreboard anymore. She just sits on a chair and nobody says a word to her except they have a little clip of her sort of hanging around Christopher Dean, you know, and all that kind of thing. So you've now got De- Pearl and Dean on the ice, and then you've got Karen Barber. I mean, God knows um, what on earth they have to do to them to make them interesting. I don't know. Right, I'm off now. Oh, bless you. Well, thank you. Monday. I'm back tomorrow morning. Do, oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, right. What, what, what are you going to do tomorrow to wind people up? What, what did you have in mind for tomorrow? <laughs> when God made man, she was only joking. Fairly popular one there. God, 
Yes, kicking kittens tomorrow. <laughs> Burning oil on the uh, on Christians. Should we try that one? Unbelievable, isn't it? Actually, is it, it always amazes me, though, the things that you can use on, on radio that are, are almost sort of old stories from donkeys years ago that you can then recycle again and people can still get worked up about it. I've only quite worrying that some well, people are lying there now. You know why we were talking about the gay B&B owners was because literally yeah. when we were talking about human rights, someone... Just they weren't gay, the B&B comment, owners. No, I, the, I think they were both <laughs> heterosexual. I think anything yeah, so, else is pure the, supposition. Calling it the gay B&B owners is actually yeah. really very wrong. But the, the B&B owners who, who turned away a gay couple who were on religious grounds... Um, the only reason we were talking about that is because someone at a split second just happened to go, oh, it's like those, those B&B owners. And suddenly, vroom! The, the switchboard's like Blackpool Illuminations. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming there are, there are gay bed and breakfasts. Do you think heterosexuals want to go there? Do you think they want to book in and, and the gay people go, we're not having you doing any of that kind of stuff in our bedrooms, I'm telling you. That would be wrong, and that would be wrong. Yeah. It would be. That would be discrimination, and it would also be wrong. All right. OK. <laughs> okay. Chris Turby winding you up again tomorrow morning. Oh, <laughs> blimey, honestly. Bless your heart. Thank you. Lovely to see you. By the way, have you eaten another Toblerone out the cupboard? No, I have not. Well, somebody has, because it's down to one. I have not. Well, it's either that or there's mice in there. It's, it's not. How can me. it be? It's, well, it's not. Mice, mice with, with, who can climb up to the third shelf. And you're the only person who's got f- claws and everything else and a tail and whiskers who can climb up there that I've seen before. Anyway, uh, Noreen says, good morning, everybody. I uh, hope the juggling elephants are training hard for the mermaids. <laughs> I've, if only we could get them to work, Noreen. She says, did you see the skating? You asked why the ladies wear their tights over their boots, and I read it's to make their legs look longer. And was that Jack, your ex-producer, with Richard and Judy in the audience? Yes. Did you see him waving at the camera? Jack was sitting there with Richard and Judy. She looked like she was off on another planet. And Richard, who's desperately, desperately trying to look young and trendy, was wearing, like, a fisherman's sweater with, with things. You know, woo, woo, woo! And I thought, isn't it so funny? Years ago, they were really big on television, and now they've resorted to just being audience members. Which I found quite amusing. And Jack was sitting there waving at the cameras. And, um, and it was Jennifer Metcalf from Hollyoaks who went out. Kerry Katona. I can't do I can't do it. And I'm thinking, poor old Kerry Katona. I was watching her thinking, do you know, you're just me, 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 me. I, I can't do it for me, kids. I can't do it. And I'm thinking, God, you know, you really are. For a woman of your age with three children, you're the biggest drip under the sun. She can't look after anything. She couldn't even run a bath, I don't think. She's pathetic. Uh, could somebody explain to me, says Jack, what qualifies Emma Bunton to be a judge? Robin Cousins, obviously. Jason Gardner, clear credentials from dance and performance. But poor Emma... Seems to have no relevance at all. Yeah, but I think she's holding her own, don't you? I mean that in the nicest possible way, in case you thought it was a sexual reference. Um, but I mean, I think she's... I mean, she's, she seems to be understanding it. I wasn't too sure about what you're supposed to be looking for. I don't know what the lifts are called. I don't know what that's called. But I think she's, she's actually doing not badly. And don't you think, since she's announced she's pregnant, she looks a lot better? She's filled out a bit more. I quite like the filled out look. I'm big... I'm big into the filled-out look, seeing as I have it so often. Uh, 84850, Stephen LBC. Now, you don't forget, we've got the problem with AOL at the moment. And we're hoping today to get it resolved. It's going to be nice to be back online to find out, you know, because I can get my access uh, for my emails here at work, but it's all the other things I'm missing. It's ridiculous. I eventually found out AOL have a complaints division in Southampton, says Lenny. Oh, right. Um... Uh, well, to be honest with you, that I've, I've so far found nothing at all. I'm going to have to go... If, if nothing is resolved today, I'm going to have to go through the press office. Because, frankly, it's shoddy service. Very shoddy service. Now, I remember when I spoke to Delhi last time, I said, like, can I speak to a supervisor? I was getting nowhere with the call. We don't have a supervisor. I thought, well, you're just sitting there all by yourself. Of course you have a supervisor. Put me on to a supervisor now. I don't, they, do they call them something different? 
I'd love to find out. 84850, steve at uk, And uh, we take all your texts and emails on the programme. James tells me that Peter Andre was signing books at Blue Water. He was doing the same in Asda, in Bexley Heath, a couple of weeks ago. He's getting a bit desperate, says James. I don't know how many people would want to buy a Peter Andre book. I wouldn't want to buy a Peter Andre book. I mean, uh, I mean, all these celebrity novel things that come out and autobiographies, I don't think they're that interesting. How can you do an autobiography when you're, like, 25, 30? It's, it's way too young. You have to wait till the end of your life, and, and then you do it. And, I mean, they must sell such small quantities. I see that Chloe Maidley's going to be doing a calendar. Who in God's name is going to be buying a Chloe Maidley calendar? I'd rather have uh, old Judy Finnegan on the beach, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, lying there, perhaps, you know, not wearing very much indeed. You know, and then you could have... I have got the Cheryl Colwyn upstairs in my cupboard, yes. I've not even got the Cheryl Colwyn, I've got Ginger Cats. And, yes, make of that what you will. And uh, what else have I got? I've got Justin Bieber. And I've got quite a few people, actually, but the Cheryl Cole calendar is up there. Sorry? I've got Michael Bublé as well. I quite like Michael Bublé. I think his songs are great. But the Cheryl Cole calendar, it's still sealed in plastic, which I'm told is the best way to enjoy her. It's uh, quarter past five. These are the headlines. A woman has been charged with deliberately starting a fire in a block of flats in Deptford that left two women dead. The victims, aged 42 and 59, were killed as flames engulfed Marine Tower on Friday afternoon. Plans to get rid of ASBOs are revealed later. They're going to be replaced by new criminal behaviour orders. They'll allow police to confiscate things like iPods on the spot and make officers order offenders to repair damaged property or clean graffiti. Finally, fewer than one in ten nurses believe there are enough staff on NHS wards. The Royal College of Nursing has found it's compromising patient safety. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Monday morning, Jay Louise. This morning from ten. Morning, everybody. Thank you, uh, James. And he said Jason, actually, then he got to think about something else. Uh, Nick Ferrari this morning, after the news at seven. The BBC moving up north. Can it work or is it just a massive waste of money? Couldn't care less, to be honest with you. I mean, I really am so nonplussed by the whole thing. I think it's going to cost a small fortune. Apparently, you get curtain allowance and you get this allowance. But a lot of people I've spoken to work there say, well, we're, we're not going to go and work for them. Who wants to go to Manchester? Godforsaken dump. Why would you want to go there? You live down in London. Yeah, but Manchester's great. If you just want to visit it, you'd go, hello, and then you'd get out again pretty quickly. But you don't want to live and work up there, do you? It's so... T- yeah, yeah. I think you are getting further nearer Blackpool, aren't you? And uh, Louise Bagshaw, Conservative MP for Corby, we're talking about Sally Burko. Can she blame the backlash on sexist old Tories? Yes, she can. She's being victimised, says Louise Bagshaw. They're all a bit deluded, aren't they, some of these MPs? They really are. I mean, you know, nobody forced Sally Burko to dress up in a silly sheet and look like that. Is she being victimised? You know, if the cap fits, wear it. I mean, it is just quite ridiculous, I'm afraid. Uh, Jean lives in Spain. Well done, you. And turned on the radio, gave it a twirl and got LBC and you. Lord, can you pick us up in Spain? On the radio? Well, how does that work? I've never heard of that before. And she, she said, I put my... Are you sure you're in Spain? How do you twiddle the radio and you turn on it? You can't turn on the radio and pick up LBC in Spain. Doesn't doesn't work like that. She said, you're very entertaining. Well, there you go. She's on the Costa Delta. I don't believe you're on the Costa Delta. How could you have turned on the radio and you picked up LBC in Spain? You can't pick it up in Brighton. Ridiculous. How is Anthony Davis, says uh, Mary. Uh, he's very good. He has left LBC, yes. There was, uh, we issued a, a thing on it. He's uh, He's having fun. He's, re- he's probably looking forward to actually getting his mornings back, or his nights, or his early mornings. Because when you've done, you know, overnights for a long time, you need to catch up on your sleep. And then you suddenly realise that there's a whole different world. 
See, I like this time. This time suits me because, you know, it's quiet. You don't actually have to get... You don't have to fight your way through the traffic. Sometimes when I've left here at midday and I've walked out, I've thought, my God, it's busy. I left here yesterday at about half past 11 and they were setting up Trafalgar Square for the Chinese New Year. And I was, I was standing there, and I had these two boxes, which I was carrying back to put in the boot of the car. And, and I remember thinking, if I didn't have these boxes here, I would have gone and done a bit of gong-ho fat choy and, uh, and probably had some sweet and sour beef, crispy beef, something like that, sweet and sour pork, special fried rice, and, or some crispy duck pancake rolls. I mean, anything just at all that was being cooked down there. But I didn't, so I came home, and it was very windy, and I only got blown away a couple of times. And, um, and that was that. But otherwise, I'd have enjoyed it. But London was really busy yesterday. And they put up um, barricades down the middle of the road, because in London, we have to suffer with just about everything. You know, pe- yesterday, I walked down to the station at the bottom, and there's a whole load of bikers there, who are obviously also going to be complaining about the, the congestion charge and something else. So I must put a hundred bikers down the bottom. I'm thinking, do you know, honestly, in London, we put up with a right load of old tat, don't we? We've got to put up with everybody taking over the roads, lorry drivers strike. There were people the other day marching in support of Mubarak in Egypt. What the bloody hell are they doing that here for? Who's interested in the middle of London? I mean, it's... I did see the Chinese New Year, yeah. It's OK, you know. I've got, I've got Chinese lanterns at home, because there's a little bit of me that is a little bit Chinese, because I lived there for two years. So I can, a little, my little jade Buddha, which I'm keeping very quiet, because I'm totally convinced it's really rare, really, really rare. And I'm hoping, because I keep looking at the Antiques Roadshow, and I had a thing the other day, and they go, well, this is unbelievable. This is made by the finest China craftsman. This dates from the Shengli period, and it's probably worth about £50,000. But it's not going to happen. It's probably going to be mass-produced in a <laughs> in a factory in Wong Chai or something. But it's quite pretty, actually. I, quite, I don't know why we bought a Buddha. But he, he's, he's quite a jolly one, ours. But he, he, he's definitely jade. He's definitely made out. But, and he's not particularly big, either. Well, there you go. Uh, Tony says, love your show. Are you planning any more shows at the Queen's Theatre? Not at the moment. There is nothing on the agenda at the moment. The only show that we've got is the uh, Mermaid Theatre at the end of this month. That's going to be it for this year. There might be one... December time, but that'll be it for this year. And uh, there are two shows, one at three o'clock and one at seven. Three o'clock, one sold out. And uh, we're halfway through the seven o'clock one. So if you want to come and see us, we'd love... Christo's going to come down. Chinese Amanda's going to be there, handing out sweetmeats or something. I don't know what she's doing, actually. I never know. She just wanders up and down in a dream. And uh, it's good. It's always a very entertaining afternoon and evening. So if you want to come and join us, if you go to steveallenshow.com, steveallenshow.com we're, we're, we're steveallenshow.com then click on the right hand side and that'll take you to the uh, to the tickets uh, beef dripping says Pauline beef dripping for chips beef dripping dripping for chips sadly we're so frightened of lard based cooking that we've lost a taste sensation says Pauline beef dripping my mum used to buy dripping from the butchers and it came in I said the other day waxed paper and and you would open it and take out a spoonful I think or a slice of it put it in the frying pan you cook your bacon in and eggs and then you take them out unlike now where you empty the oil away after it's cooled or you sieve it my mother used to have a jug on the side with a sieve over the top and she'd sieve the oil to get the bits out when it was when it was the the dripping in there you just let it harden and then shove it in the oven and then when you wanted to cook again you took it out of the oven put it on the on the range and the dripping would melt but it it retained it, it sounded very resourceful, actually, my parents were. I think everybody did the same. And then it was, and then it, it retained all the, the taste of, you know, whatever you've been cooking in it. I think it lasted for quite a while. Pretty certainly did, anyway. 
There you go. The, the, the cooking lessons this morning on LBC. But I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow about AOL and how we're, how we're faring. Because I, I know the argument's going to be, they're actually going to go, well, you know, you, you've paid this, but you haven't set up direct debit. And I'm going to say, because really, I don't trust anybody. I'm very, very sceptical. I do not want to phone up somebody I do not know and hand over my bank account details, the sort code, the address. I've practically given them carte blanche to take whatever they want. And I don't, I don't want that. I'd rather fill it in online. I can fill on online with the help of the bank, because I can't do it any other way. And, and then I'll do it that way. But they're going to say, oh, well, you haven't paid, so we can't connect you back on again. In which case, I suppose, you know, you'd have to move to somebody else. I wonder how fast you can get connected to somebody. Uh, and then I went in the other day, because I've, uh, I thought I'll, I'll reload my iPad, because the contract in that ran out because of my cloned card. And um, so I bought a little thing in three. You go in there and you buy a little micro 3G card, for, I think, what did I say? I wanted an iPad, pay-as-you-go, three-month card, and it was 20 quid. It doesn't, I know, even I don't know what I'm talking about, Jess. I've got no idea. I've come up with all these things now, and at the age of coming up 40, you know, you have to go in, you have to remember everything. And I go in, so I want uh, an iPad, pay-as-you-go card, please, for three months. And they go, oh, right, have a seat. And the moment you, they say, have a seat, I was going, no, that's all right, I'll stand. I've got a bad back. Because the moment you sit down, I think they get you on a different level. And he went and got it. I thought, you're going to ask my address, aren't you? Luckily, he didn't. And I just held out the £20 note. And I was prepared to give the, the address here, as opposed to home address. Because otherwise you get bombarded with rubbish through the post. And I don't want that. And, um, and so I just bought it and walked out. And then you, you take this card, you put it into your iPad at the side. It's a little tiny SIM card. And then it means that you're wireless. So it's 20 quid for three months. So I thought that was fair enough. I thought that was all right. David Beckham out again. I don't know what he was wearing. It, he wears the oddest clothes. I think, they, they, I think the joke shops must send stuff around and go, can you get Dave to wear this? And they go, you're joking, aren't you? And so, so they, they've now put him in this outfit and he's now got a parting. And it is a little bit, uh, a little bit strange. Uh, and we're back, I'm afraid. And sorry to tell you, Jordan and Peter Andre. This was after the other day. When Jordan's youngest and Peter's youngest, Princess Tiami, okay, had her hair straightened, and all the experts were saying you don't get little girls' hair straightened because they've got very weak hair at that age. It hasn't had a chance to do. Then she comes back from cloisters. Uh, what she was taking them to cloisters for, I've got no idea. This is where uh, Katie Price, otherwise known as Katie Price, uh, was dancing around a nightclub with a few blokes. And I'm thinking, and you took, took the kids over as well. But anyway, she came back, she got a gash on the back. Peter Andre then went, I'm taking it to hospital. And Katie, Katie Price has apparently said to one of the papers today, well, don't get so upset, it's nothing. You know, and he said, well, I should have been told. And now she's demanded, stop using the children to publicly attack her. She's very insecure, Katie Price. Very. And of course, uh, they're his children as well. And she says, in a tit-for-tat statement, the warring former couple accused each other of bad parenting. Kate, uh, Peter was livid after the burn suffered by Princess last week when a three-year-old was in a sauna on holiday. And, as what, and all the experts said yesterday, wait a minute, she shouldn't be in a sauna. She's three years old. It's illegal for a child to be in a sauna. 16 in this country. 16 before you can go anywhere near a sauna. Uh, but anyway, she then accused him of leaking the story and trying to garner publicity. She also blamed Pete for burns her disabled son Harvey suffered in 2007. So the whole thing's got... I mean, they, they just must spend their entire life warring over children. And this is after, laughingly, one of the papers the other week 
otherwise known as that buffoon paper, the Daily Star, was saying that she wanted to get back with him because she's all lonely. What a load of old rubbish. It really is. I think they deserve each other, don't they? They really deserve each other. Nothing worse than sort of two old numpties together complaining about this, that and the other and the rest of the country going, my God, you're as boring as bloody Gary Katona. This is... Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Monday morning, traditionally your worst day of the week. The day where you go, I really, really don't want to get up for uh, for work today. But you have to. But you have to. So uh, we'll wait and see how you go. I'm just checking, actually. And poor Mark... Oh, you weren't listening, actually, Mark. She said she turned on the radio and twiddled with the knob. I mean, I quite un- that's why I questioned. I mean, uh, you're not listening in America, we know, because I've seen where your website is. So, you know, if, you know another one of these barmies. I'll be dragging them out this morning, aren't we? Uh, but I, I did have a look, actually, Lee, a moment ago. He said, it's not loading. Is the site up and working? I've, I've just checked it, actually. And to be honest with you, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find it either. www.steveallenshow.com. So I'm just going to have another, uh, another check and see if I can uh, find it. It, it. it wasn't loading before... So I'll have a check on it. It's probably overloaded, I should imagine. We've had that trouble before. When all of a sudden, the world and his wife want to, uh, want to check. Because I have to go through another, another website because I'm, I can't control R for this all the time in here. So I'm just going to have a quick check on this one for you and just find out if it's on it. Because if it's not, it's a bit daft, isn't it? It just means it might have overloaded on the whole page system. Can I tell you, it's like doing Scylla Black's job here, isn't it, really? And uh, let's see if we can find it again. Seems to be connecting, and no, it's not. I wonder why it's not. Very odd. I shall, I shall ask Darren about this a little bit later on. He might be able to know. Oh, oh, I've done the wrong blooming thing. That's why. Oh, do you know? Honestly, do you know? Do you not find computer? Oh, I've got a dead Steve Allen in America. That's why. Do you not find that computers are sometimes the most frustrating thing? You sit there and you push a button, and sometimes you bang the mouse down in your frustration because you can't. But be- like that, because you get really angry that it's not working, and you think, just stop messing about. And then you think, the amount of work all these things get every day. Dot. Let's try again, shall we? Uh, Eve Alan Show dot com. It doesn't work this time. I'm giving up. I'm going to lose the will to live, actually, and start mentioning Peter Andre again, just to annoy. So I can find the Steve Allen in America, the dead one from a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, we're not having much luck Finding Steve Allen show. I shall have a word with Darren later on because it's it's very very. I think you probably overloaded the blooming thing this morning. It's all I need, isn't it? Just when you're about to do another show down at the Mermaid Theatre on the 26th, and the site show collapses, and you have to go. Why is it collapsed? Because everybody's trying to get on there and have a quick look. So uh, let me just tell you. Oh, I tell you, died, which was all a bit uh, a bit sad. That's uh, Gary Moore. He was in a Costa del Sol hotel, former Thin Lizzy guitarist. And uh, he died the other day. Champagne, a couple of brandies, and dies in his sleep. They have to make it dramatic, don't they? they you know, it's not just he died peacefully in his sleep. He had champagne, a couple of brandies, and because uh, that's the rock and roll lifestyle, the rock and roll lifestyle. How wonderful! And uh, remember, I told you the story yesterday, and I was so horrified that I wasn't even convinced it was true. And it happened just around the corner from here, just over the road from here, and. Uh, Oh, there we are. Wait a minute. I seem to have got... Oh. I don't know what we've got here. We seem to have got everything. I'm, I seem to pop up all over the place. But not... Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm... Well, it's not. It's this stupid... It's not actually connecting onto that. 
They're not actually connecting onto anything at all at the moment. <laughs> so we need to talk to Darren about that. Let's phone him up now and tell him. And, um, and just around the corner from here, there is the post office. OK, and next to the post office, opposite a pub called the Chandos, is some cash points. OK, so you've got Pret-a-Manger on the corner. Then you've got the, uh, the post office in the middle. And what did they have the other night? They had Anthony Costa from Blue. Staggers out of a bar in Upper St Martin's Lane, drunk as a skunk at 3.30 in the morning, goes to the cash point, but he doesn't actually, he doesn't go to the cash point. He gets in a taxi and he makes the taxi drive him the 50 yards to the cash point. He gets out, he puts his card in the machine and he urinates over it. He urinates over the machine. He's that filthy. And so the manager at the Chandos gets a picture of him urinating while he's getting his cash out of the machine. A piece of filth of the first order. Disgusting. And I said yesterday, I'm hoping it's not him. I'm hoping it's, it can't be, can it? I mean, if you're going to represent Britain for Eurovision, you wouldn't do anything like that, would you? He did. He's admitted it. And his mother was horrified. I'm not at all surprised. He said, he said I hope everybody forgive me. Everybody's been drunk. I don't urinate over cash points. I think that was the worst thing ever. To be honest with you, I think he should be kicked out of the group. I think he should be absolutely kicked out of the group straight away. I don't think there is any reason that you could ever forgive anybody on that one. You know, I can understand someone being drunk and falling over. We've seen Sarah Harding doing that a number of times. But I don't, I don't actually see that you can forgive anybody for doing that. And he said, oh, I've got the support of the boys and we're all looking forward to Eurovision. I thought, you're a drunk. I do not want to see that kind of behaviour. You're supposed to set an example to people. What an embarrassment to your parents. What an embarrassment. Not good enough. Not, not good enough, I'm afraid. I hope you've been back there and cleaned off the machine and everything else. You really should have done, because that really is, is not good enough, Anthony. I expected so much more. So much more. Prince Harry and Chelsea Davy have rekindled... Who cares? I mean, to be honest with you, so he goes, I don't think she's all that. I re- I've looked at the picture of her, she's not all that. I mean, I've seen, I've seen better things on my big fat gypsy wedding. I... Yeah, I think she might be fun, but she's not a looker, is she? I mean, he's actually... Oh, no, no, no. I don't think she's that pretty. I think she's wearing really bad clothes. I don't, I don't think she's, uh, she's, uh, she's that. Uh, Rakesh says, is Steve paid to mention Katie Price every morning? Yeah. How do you know? God, you're bright, aren't you? Yeah, I am, actually, Rakesh, yeah. Why, do, do, would you like to pay me not to? I'm willing to negotiate. I'm willing to negotiate on that kind of thing. You're bright. You really are. Uh, Steve, another one here. Uh, you have the hot, says Kelly, who isn't really Kelly, for Jordan and Miss Church. Miss Church? Who's Miss Church? Charlotte, we've mentioned Charlotte Church in years, dear. And Kerry Katona, you must be about five years old, Kelly. We need to tell you how to spell, dear. I mean, you really are thick. God knows. Uh, Martin says, I can get to the ticket page via your Twitter. Right. So that's on ctickets.com, S-E-E. Because we can't find anything on the Steve Allen show at all. In fact, we can't even find the Steve Allen show, which, uh, which isn't very good. So ctickets, S-E-E, tickets.com, OK? Much easier. Much easier. And John says, I cannot access your website from in Bangkok too. Well, if you can't access it here, you won't be able to access it from anywhere else. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that in different countries. Uh, one here that says, uh, I agree with you. London get too many protests. The Home Office was sending over a flight to collect Brits who want to come home from Egypt, so they must have sent the flight over empty. 
Why didn't they offer the people who are protesting in London about the Egypt problems to get on the flight? And if they really care about what goes on in Egypt, they go and protest over there with all the others. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? I quite agree. Yes, exactly. Sending a flight over empty. There's all these people go, yeah, we really support Egypt. Well, why don't you bloody well go back there? What's the point of walking up and down? I'm not interested in you walking up and down here. What good does that do? Doesn't actually solve any problems over there, does it? It's like lorry drivers. We're actually protesting about the price of fuel. So they're doing go slow on the Euston Road. What's the, what's the point of that? How's that protesting about fuel? How's that? Oh, wait a minute, Cara, I used to be an actress, Toynton, but now I just talk about my love life. I didn't want a strictly romance, but I feel so lucky to have Artem, a whole dreary page on Cara Toynton. Oh, love, you must better find something else, please. You can't just have the same thing all the time. Uh, Shelley, this is Jim Shelley, is talking today about the worst programme on television. I mean, there's been some bad programmes. This one is A Farmer's Life for Me, uh, hosted by uh, Jimmy. And this is the bloke who was the farmer that the BBC discovered. And he's got a farm, but now he sees himself as a TV presenter. Frankly, he's becoming a bit of a bore. Because they've started using him on everything. And once they start using somebody on everything, it becomes a little bit Eamon Fat Boy Fat Holmes. Where they turn up all the time. And you have to go, oh God, not them again on a programme. Please, give us somebody different. Find somebody different. Go out there, make, make, make an effort... And try and find some new presenters. Anybody but Eamon Holmes, Jimmy, who's quite nice and perfectly pleasant and very articulate, but he's on too many things. It's like turning on the television and seeing... Um, well, actually, we, we don't actually get Rav, do we, that often, thank goodness. Ever since he took up with intelligent conversationalist Chantel. And, uh, yeah, living a dream. And so we don't get them very often on the television. Who else do we get a lot of at the moment? I can't think of anybody. If, if you can think of anybody who we seem to get a lot of at the moment, do let me know. Uh, there is an issue with uh, steveallenshow.com. Thank you for that one, Lee. I shall get uh, down to check it out a little bit later on. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, strangely enough, uh, when they talked about this, uh, this programme, The Farmer's Life, for me, he says here... Mainly, it consists of sweaty Londoners gormlessly walking around, trilling, look at my goat. Not really sure whether that's that interesting. Uh, also, every day for the last 40 years, Sukhdev Sanger has watched the world go by from the window of his corner shop. And now, he says, it's all changing. He says, a few years ago, you'd never see an Asian girl holding hands with a white boy. Now you do. It's a glimmer of hope. You see, it goes on. It does change, doesn't it? I mean, life is, is changing. A bit slow for some people. Bit quick for other people. Uh, one here, beef dripping on toasty with salt and pepper. Ooh, cracky. And Steve, I used to be able to get radio twenty years ago on the f- on the on the border with Spain. With the radio today, I reckon it's possible to get you in Spain. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm afraid. Um, another one here. Will says anything missing in the cupboard? Well, apart from because we do have a lot of chocolate in the cupboards, and there's another Toblerone gone. I mean, there were definitely on Friday three Toblerones. There's one. I mean, I'm. I'm co- there's two gone then, aren't there? Yes, but I'm, I'm convinced I gave one away to somebody. I might have given one away to somebody, but I'm now convinced that somebody's eaten one. Uh, Michael says, these new criminal behaviour orders that are to replace ASBOs, will they be known as CRIMBOs? Very funny, very funny, very witty. Almost a bit too witty for this time of the morning, but we like it when you have witticisms. I know, really, with the overspill of last night and the excitement that was going on with Christo's programme... I think that really was stretching the bounds a little bit. But by God, it brought everybody out, didn't it? People with the most crackpot ideas I've ever heard in my entire life. And slightly worrying. Oh, here's Kelly Brook again. 
What does she do? Answer nothing. Kate Middleton will follow the Queen and Princess Diana by having her bridal bouquet placed on the unknown warrior's tomb. OK. It's cool. I don't have a problem with uh, anything like that. I don't think I have a problem. Do I have a problem with it? No, I don't have a problem with that. That's quite a nice thing to do. I love the story of the unknown warrior. I'm not going to repeat it for about the uh, 500th time, but I think you should definitely go and uh, check it. Uh, now they've got Jordan out in a nightclub again. And they printed the two statements, one from him, one from her. The, the trouble is, Pizzakins and uh, Jordany Boos, Poos, um, I, just, I don't know why you just don't conduct this through the courts. It would make it so much easier. Kate went out last night to a nightclub and, as usual, did her silly showing-off bit. And she went out with some pals and her sister, who's now moved into the house. I didn't know what the sister did. I'm, I'm a bit sort of nonplussed by the sister. And uh, Strictly Come Dancing champion Cara Toynton is uh, we'll be trekking through scorching desert for comic relief. So? So, it's charity. If, if you're not doing anything for a certain part of the year, you do charity. Ollie Murs is doing it as well, because he's got loads of free time on his hands, and so they'll all be going out there, and uh, celebrities will be going to Africa uh, to meet Kenyans in need of urgent eye care. To be honest with you, if I was an African sitting out there in, urge of, in, in urgent need of eye care, and Ollie Murs and Cara Toynton turned up with a film crew, I'd be thinking... Sorry, can we have some medicine? Can we have... You know, why are we... Who are these people? They've got no idea. Do you remember when they, they, they dragged out poor Sarah Ferguson and she's trekking around meeting kids who scrabble in rubbish dumps? And, and I'm thinking, they don't know who she is. They've got no idea. Just Sorry, can you hold, can you hold this little baby? Yeah, okay, I'm holding a baby. You think, what good does that do? Answer, absolutely nothing at all. And the top three is three amigos. This story's going to run. I've got to go into it after the news again... Reason being, now we've got certain people saying it's OK and comedians going, it's absolutely disgraceful what they said about the Mexicans. And some of the comedians you've never heard of, so they're obviously doing it just to, to get themselves a little bit of publicity. But the rest of them, nobody actually from Top Gear has apologised. They couldn't give a toss about it. Why should you worry about upsetting a few Mexicans? It's called comedy. It's called comedy. It's like saying all Sloan Ranger girls, you know, kind of, OK, you are, talk like that. Which they do! But I don't think they're ever going to come in and go, you know, a lot of people are saying, we kind of, OK, I'll talk like that. And we don't talk like that at all. Because we can't talk like that. Well, some of us do. Some of us talk completely differently. Here's the headlines. A woman's been charged with deliberately starting a fire in a block of flats in Deptford that left two women dead. The victims aged 42 and 59 were killed as flames engulfed Marine Tower on Friday afternoon. New plans for tackling antisocial behaviour, including getting rid of ASBOs, are due to be announced. The government's introducing new criminal behaviour orders instead. And fewer than one in ten nurses believe there are enough staff on NHS wards. I believe there are not enough staff, I think, on NHS wards. The Royal College of Nursing has found it's compromising patient safety. Yes, definitely, there are not enough staff on NHS wards. Let's have a check on the uh, roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quickly with Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Pleased to say things moving. So you've got this, this argument that developed, and it goes to the, the Top Gear people, and they sat there, and if you've ever seen Top Gear, you know, unless you're really stupid, they take the mickey out of people. We've had gay cars before now, you know, cars that are gay, uh, and nobody really complained about it. It's just a few people, busybodies, stick their nose in and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and on this particular occasion, they were talking about Mexicans, and they were saying, you know, Mexicans spend most of their time asleep and they do this and they do that. And, and they were doing the stereotypical thing. It's kind of tongue in cheek. But unfortunately, some people are a bit stupid. And so the Me and they said, oh, you know, the Mexican ambassador will probably be asleep during this. Well, of course, he probably was. But he wrote into the BBC complaining about xenophobia, you know, because we've all got the image of Mexicans in our mind of, of Mexicans sitting there with a bottle of tequila with the big hat on asleep in the midday sun. 
Whereas, in fact, the truth is that if you live anywhere near Mexico City, the fact is you're probably going to be murdered because of the drug gangs over there. Because every day they have at least 30 murders. In fact, on the last public holiday, just to put Mexico in context with the rest of the world, the tunnel leading out of the city was hanging from the roof were 20 bodies headless because of the drug gangs over there. Every day there are murders. Put it in yourself on Google. Mexico drug gangs wars. Every day, hundreds of people. I've seen photographs on the internet where you get bodies all over the place. Piles of bodies with no heads. It's the drug gangs. So far from Mexicans being asleep, they're actually murdering each other. And so the Mexican ambassador complains, and the BBC then go, we're terribly sorry. People from Top Gear couldn't give a 4X. Even little Richard Hammond, who was the one who instigated it in the first place, said, I can't believe that, you know, somebody would actually take this seriously. If they do, then I apologise. But to be honest with you, that's what we do. We take the mickey out of everybody else. You know, that's what we do. It's called comedy. It's called, you know, doing stereotyping. And it's funny. And if it isn't, you might as well go and hang yourself. Because, frankly, you know, you've got to laugh at everybody. You've got to laugh at everybody. I mean, I laughed at a text a minute ago from somebody who said, you know, I've accidentally tuned into this programme this morning. But they've obviously listened to every single programme because they talk about podcasting and competitions. So they, they listen all the time, which, of course, makes us laugh. Because we always... Somebody said to me... Was it James O'Brien said the other day? James O'Brien found somebody the other day. I think somebody wrote something offensive. Anyway, it goes to the police. And they go around and find this bloke. And it turns out he's written filth to loads of people. And he turned into a big, gibbering girl's blouse. Oh, she'll never do it again. I'm ever so sorry and all the rest of it. And James O'Brien said to me... He said, the funny thing is, he said, that people who love you will listen to the whole programme. He said, people who hate you will listen all day, every single day. Because they haven't got anything else. And I said, you know, that's so true, actually. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Yes, poor market will teach you not to listen properly. You should always wash your ears out before you listen to something. That makes you look silly. Uh, Steve, I'm now bored of Mylene Class. Have you, uh, I didn't think she was on the television very much. I didn't think we got a lot of Mylene. I quite like Mylene. I mean, luckily, because most of them appear to be pr- um, uh, pregnant at the moment, we don't see too much of them. I'm quite warming, actually. I did, I did like Jason Gardner the other night on the... Uh, on the dancing thing, when it nearly turned into a fight. I mean, that, that was well worth it. Strange enough, though, just going back to the three amigos... They were last night given the green light to carry on offending by Britain's Trevor Phillips. Trevor Phillips, head of the Equality and Human Rights Commission, threw his support behind them and says that the hosts were brilliant talents who were just enjoying banter. You see, that's the way to dispense with these things. It's a bit of banter. Don't be so stupid. Grow up. Get over yourself. As I say, because otherwise we'd then be going, all Mexicans are murderers. You know, equally silly, but then if you, if you take everything seriously, you really are suffering in a, in a bad world. Uh, 84850, Sean, who's not actually Sean, but somebody's just written in, says, you've actually admitted on there you've got a Cheryl Cole and Justin Bieber calendar. Yeah, you want them? Yeah, you're desperate for them, aren't you? I can tell. You're salivating just at the thought that somebody's got something you haven't. Yeah, I have. And I've got the... Uh, what was the other one I've got? I've got, I've got My- Michael Bublé... Got and the Ginger Cats one, and I think I've got some other ones out there. Really cool. I know you really fancy them. I can tell actually, just with the way you sort of salivate. Uh, Paul says Pauline is right about dripping. Would she be the lady who used to call Anthony about her childhood in the Yorkshire orphanage? I don't know. In fact, the best fish and chips I've ever had were bought from a chippy in Scarborough, which cooks everything in it. Quite common up that side. By the way, you know you love us Mancunians, really. Let's face it. If we're so bad, why did the Bernsteins come over from the East End? 
Open Granada Television and give us the likes of Corey. I agree, getting rid of Anthony Costa. If they keep him, why not rehash the other year's dire losing song and call it Weeing the Flag? Do you remember We're flying. We call it Weeing the Flag. But, I mean, absolutely disgraceful. I mean, everybody's been drunk. Well, I haven't. But, I mean, other people have been drunk. You certainly don't wee over a cash point. I mean, that really was... It's. It was just the stupidest thing. Stupidest thing. Uh, a lot of people worrying about Cheryl Cole. I'm not one of them. I'm really not worried. Apparently she turned up to do a gig and she was depressed. Really depressed. Turned up with a brother. It's enough to depress anybody. And apparently she wasn't with her friend Derek, the dancer. And so uh, she was kind of stuck in, in Venice. It was an awful experience. Miss Misery was there because somebody was paying her a quarter of a million pounds to sing at a party. I mean, just the, just the term sing kind of makes me smile, I'm afraid. So she was over there and she looked very... And she's very stressed. And yet I thought she'd had that tramp stamp tattoo done to make her feel better because she's dispensed with Ashley, but apparently it's coming up to the, the anniversary. Oh, dear. Almost as bad as, you know, it being Valentine's Day around the corner. And I did go, go past Poundland yesterday. And yes, they do have the usual bunch of tat in there available for a pound. So if anybody buys you anything that's got the Poundland sticker on it, you know that they really think a lot of you. They've spent a whole pound, you know. Somebody will write in now and go, it's not for adults, it's for children. <laughs> Oh, dear. Lovely one here. Listening in Brighton. Yes. And uh, Jay says, why don't you take a picture of your chocolate cupboard and put it on the LBC website? We have taken a picture of the chocolate cupboard, actually. It's not on the LBC website, but it will be on display at the show at the Mermaid Theatre. Uh, Phil says, Jordan and Peter won't go through the courts they have to pay. Via the papers, they get paid. Well, not for this one. This is just a statement that they've, they've both issued about... I mean, isn't it awful when you think, stuck in the middle of this are three children who've been on every television programme that Mummy and Daddy make. They've been on Mummy's programme, and then when Daddy has the cameras, they're on Daddy's programme. Like Kerry Katona's children. She puts them on every programme she's on as well. Yesterday she put them on Strictly Dancing on Ice. I can't wait to see how all these children turn out. I shall be watching, you know, with uh, sort of great in... World-renowned Pratt, Peaches Geldof, was on set filming a new fashion party show in Liverpool... Uh, where he, I don't really know. I mean, what is it about the haughty Thornton faces? They're all a bit Sally Burko, I'm afraid, at the moment. It's very haughty faces. And uh, Peaches was flashing her, her upper deck. And uh, that was just, just about it, I'm afraid. That was just about it. But she does have a new TV show coming out very shortly. And there's one part of it you're going to say to it, because I can't tell you what it's going to be, but you're going to be saying, you are joking, aren't you? Are you serious? And people would accuse me of saying it was in poor taste or bad taste. I can't tell you exactly what they're going to be doing on this Peaches Gelder programme, but when they say it's called Oh My God, uh, you will realise that it is... In fact, I'll, 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 I'll tell Jess during the, uh, the news, and she'll go, they're not really. I said, they really are going to do this. Wayne Rooney's cousins, because they're, they're a class act, have pulled out of an appearance on This Morning because they reckon that show bosses wanted them to spill Rue and Colleen's secrets. Natalie and Stephen, they're intelligent. I mean, what else would they be wanting you on there for? They were due to chat about their appearance on that programme Snog, Marry, Avoid. In your case, just avoid, I suppose. Natalie, who flashed her boobs at Colleen's birthday and cross-dressing Steve, had been booked for tomorrow's show. But apparently... Natalie realised, because she's quite bright, that show chiefs wanted the lowdown on Rue and his wife Colleen. Furious Natalie tweeted, because she's real class. She, uh, so looks to me like Stephen Rooney and I aren't doing this morning. <laughs> oh dear, well that thus endeth your career, doesn't it, really, I suppose. It was just on the back of somebody else. And uh, 
if you want the strongest bottle of beer, it's on sale. How much do you have to pay for the world's strongest beer? I'm fine, because I do not drink beer. But this is a super brew. £54.99 a bottle. Tactical Nuclear Penguin has an alcohol content of 32%, and one swig could put you over the limit. Well, I don't even know what a bottle of beer's got. What is a bottle of beer? Is that obviously not as much as 32% proof? What's a bottle of beer? Is it five... 5%. 5%. Oh, blimey. Lager's about 5%. They say this brew is on a par with spirits and drinkers are warned to sip it in small measures. What's the point of bringing it out, then? Do they bring it out? We had some... Sw- I get into the car the other day and my youngest says, um, Uncle Steve says, would you like a sweet? Now, of course, they know I don't do sweets. So, of course, I'm a little bit wary. And so I look at this packet of what looks like little gobstoppers. And so I said, I don't think so. I said, I'm slightly wary. Oh, go on, have a sweet, Uncle Steve. No. And do you know what they were? They bought them in the market. They were the sourest sweets in the world. When I say the sourest sweets, I just... I didn't put it in my mouth. I just licked it. Three minutes, I couldn't get rid of the taste of it. Three minutes. It was like... Aah! And apparently, if you actually bite into it, your entire mouth goes numb. In the middle is a normal sweet, but it's got this coat... Well, of course, kids think this is hilarious. She got Uncle Steve, have a sweet. I said, no. I said, just have a little... Just run my tongue over the top of it. My goodness me, it was awful. But kids get great pleasure out of this, don't they? They love that that kind of thing. They absolutely really get off on it. Sadly, it's not for me. But the good news is this morning, forget fruit, forget all of this, you know, fibre and stuff like that. What is the thing that is better for you now? Come on, you never guess in a million years. Not fruit, not fibre, chocolate. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. I was going to say morning team. You know, this is the first Monday in February. This is the first Monday in February. So it's traditionally thousands of you are going to throw sickies today. Because the first Monday in February, you all go, I'm not going to work today. Because you've got a bit of money, you've just been paid. You think, I'm going to go sick. So people go sick today. But the other, the, the best news is, for all you people who love chocolate and really don't want to eat fruit and fibre and all that kind of thing, oh, it's like eating a coconut mat, you can't be able to rush matting. Chocolate is good for you. The levels of flavanols and, ax- and antioxidants, which can help prevent heart disease, is higher in cocoa powder than in powders made from fruit. There you go. On FM, online and... Morning, everybody. Nice to be coming. So I was just reading this thing, which is very funny, actually, which is talking about political correctness. Uh, And it is actually very funny when you read it through. I seem to remember somebody sent me something very similar a while ago about uh, Germans, English, French and Italians. And I think basically saying, wouldn't it be great if... Uh, if, if the world was the same. All the Italians are the great lovers. The French are the great romantics. You know, the Germans build cars, blah, blah, blah. And this is a very similar one. And it's a beautiful deserted island in the middle of nowhere. And the following groups of people are shipwrecked. Two Italian men and an Italian woman. Two French men and a French woman. Two German men and a German woman. Two Greek men and a Greek woman. Two Bulgarian men and a Bulgarian woman. Two Japanese men and a Japanese woman. Two Chinese men and a woman. Two Australian men and a woman. Two Irish men and an Irish woman. And two English men and one English woman. One month later, on the same island, in the middle of nowhere, the following things have occurred. The Italian man has killed the other Italian man for the Italian woman. The two Frenchmen and the French woman are living happily together in a menage a trois. The two German men have a strict weekly schedule of alternative visits with the German woman. The two Greek men are sleeping with each other and the Greek woman's cleaning and cooking for them. The two Bulgarian men took a long look at the endless ocean, another look at the Bulgarian woman and started swimming. (laughs) 
The two Japanese men have faxed Tokyo and are awaiting instructions. The two Chinese guys have set up a pharmacy, a liquor store, a restaurant and a laundry and have got the woman pregnant in order to supply employees for the stores. And the two Australian men are contemplating suicide because the Australian woman keeps complaining about her body, the true nature of feminism, how she can do everything they can do, the necessity of fulfilment, etc., etc. The two Irishmen have divided the island into north and south and have set up a distillery. They don't remember if sex is in the picture because it gets kind of foggy after the first few litres of coconut whiskey, but they're satisfied because the English aren't having any fun. And the two Englishmen are waiting for someone to, to introduce them to the English woman. You know, it's, it's that kind of sort of joke that I think they were thinking along the lines of on Top Gear. They're always getting into trouble, and at the end of the day, all they're looking for is ratings. They don't really care. The more you, you draw attention to something, the more it gets the publicity. Nobody really cares. There's a feature in the paper today. Strange. I mean, I saw it for what it was straight away. And it's about a theme park. And they've had to move the ride that they're putting in because uh, they've seen a headless monk. OK, so and all it is, it's a shameless piece of publicity to get free items in the paper saying that the theme park could be haunted. So they've moved the ride and all they've done is they managed to get free publicity. So that's why I'm not telling you the theme park, but the load of old baloney that has come out of there. They've obviously sat there thinking, wait a minute, how can we? I tell you what, let's let's say we've seen a headless monk. The fact is they haven't. They're liars. There is no such thing as headless monks. But they brought in one of these parapsychology people who says that, uh, yes, there's definitely strange goings on down there because they're all a bit peculiar. And uh, and there's definitely headless monks that it could have been an old burial site. Well, if it is, you'd know about it because it, it would be in the records. It would be in the records and you and you could find it out fairly, fairly easily. So what they've done is they've actually come up with this crackpot story hoping that people then go, oh, good, and they go, oh, look, we've managed to get publicity for our ride. Not on this programme. Uh, Daily Mail this morning. Uh, every talking about Amanda Holden. She lost the baby. Terribly, terribly sad. Terribly sad. And, uh, and also, the other sad thing as well, I don't, I'm old enough to remember, just, John Paul Getty III. John Paul Getty III was the grandson of billionaire oil tycoon... John Paul Getty, he was, he was kidnapped when he was just 16. He was kidnapped. And the kidnappers, in an effort to get money out of the Getty family, cut off his ear, put it in a box and sent it off to the family, saying, either we get the money or the rest of him is going to follow. So the Getty family paid up. And he went back, and minus his ear, and uh, it was all sewn up and he grew his hair and all the rest of it. Unfortunately, they, they, they paid, incidentally, a £2.1 million ransom. I don't think it'd be worthwhile kidnapping me. You wouldn't get 2.1 million pence. But uh, he became addicted to cocaine and heroin, took an overdose in uh, 81, and that, unfortunately, overdose prompted a stroke, which left him uh, blind, paralysed, and he was nursed around the clock. He died at 54 the other day in the Buckinghamshire mansion, owned by the Getty family, with a family around his bedside. I mean, it's terribly tragic. They're a bit like the... uh, the family in America, the Kennedys, they've had tragedy all the way through. And you begin to wonder, is it just the family or is it just because people go, oh, look, if you trace the family back, you know, there's, there's bound to be some sort of problem. And uh, so he, he died. But I remember all the stories in the papers. I remember all the stories in the papers about him and his ear. And, and I remember thinking, oh, how terrible, poor soul. Uh, as bad as exhaust fumes, what can be as bad as exhaust fumes that you probably, many of you, use in the garden most days? Wood-burning stoves. Wood-burning stoves apparently are not much good. They say here they're timeless, charming and effective. They keep your home warm, but they can be as dangerous as breathing emissions from a car exhaust. I wonder how many of you are sort of thinking, I don't think we're going to have a wood-burning stove anymore. 
We're going to get rid of it. I quite like the look of them. I never thought of it. I've never had one. But I'm just assuming that, uh, that they wouldn't be dangerous. Mind you, I assume most things aren't dangerous until I'm proven otherwise. Every time I, I open up a newspaper or turn on the radio or the television, there's always something that we're not supposed to be doing. Don't do this. That's bad for you. Don't do that. Now we can eat chocolate. And I say eat chocolate. Good chocolate is what you can eat. And when I say good chocolate, the chocolate that you'll buy, with all due respect to Cadbury's, look on the back of a bar of Cadbury's chocolate, and it will say something like, contains not less than 20% chocolate. Well, that's not really chocolate. Chocolate is when you go to Green and Black's, and it's got 70% chocolate. That's what you're looking for. It's, is it Green and Black's? It's, um, yeah, well, but Cadbury's make the milk chocolate, which is just milk with a little bit of flavouring in it. And it's not proper chocolate. Proper chocolate, you get proper chocolate holics and they know what good cho- I mean you can't eat 100% chocolate let me tell you because you might as well just take a spoonful of Cadbury's powder and stick it in your mouth it, like it's very cl- oh it's horrible it's cloying and it's horrible it sticks the roof of your mouth and everything so 70% chocolate is actually fine and real chocolate aficionados I mean it used to be locked away chocolate in this country people would have you know chocolate parties and they'd bring it out I mean f- as well as the fact it's supposed to be an aphrodisiac Supposed to make you feel a bit woo-woo-woo-woo like that. But if you're buying a box of chocolate and it's a quid in Poundland, you're not getting very good chocolate. If you, you know, Toblerone... See, I, I don't know what... I'll have to look on the back of my Toblerone for tomorrow to see what the percentage of chocolate... But I reckon it's nowhere near 70. Nowhere near, because it's got almonds and nougat in. Do you think the Swiss eat it? I don't think so. Triangular trees, triangular bees and all the rest of it. It's rubbish. And it's smaller than it used to be, although my ones look pretty big. So, chocolate, good for you, but make sure it's the, the right chocolate. It's got to be, you know, good chocolate. Go, you, go onto the website, you'll discover. It's not just like going out and buying a bar of fruit and nut. People know all about that, and people taste it. Oh, oh, that's very bitter, that's not... Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, Vincent Graff. Vincent Graff and I go back a long way. He writes for the uh, Daily Mail, and he's been into um, a cryon therapy chamber. It's a... Uh, an ice chamber. Tony Blair uses it to unwind. And so they stuck Vincent Graff in it, poor little soul. Frozen alive, and he lived to tell the tales. He actually turned blue and red, which goes to prove how cold it can be. Minus 130. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's dead. Minus 130. We've had minus 30 before, and that was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, Boris Johnson here, and this is... Um, who is this one? Oh, this is, uh, oh, it's a Boris Johnson flames of the past and stuff like that. And some poor couple who've got a house for sale. It's a bungalow. And right in front of it is a pylon. A pylon that's strict. I mean, you wouldn't buy it. We went to look at a house years ago, me and my parents. And it was really wonderful. And I went to the back garden and went, what the heck's that? And taking up the whole of the back garden. I mean, us kids thought it was great because you could swing on it. was a pylon. Why would you ever want to buy a house with a pylon in the garden. The answer is, well, somebody bought it to start with, so somebody will probably buy it now. It's like buying green cars. I'm told that they're the most unlucky colours you can ever buy. Green cars are not lucky. People do not buy green cars. I bought a green car. Didn't, th- didn't do me any harm at all. It's not proper green, green. It's more sort of what I call pistachio. But it's not. It's called Aurora. It's a pale green, my car, yeah. No, the, the old car's pale, pale green. And, and, and I thought it was lovely, and everybody looked at it. It looks really nice. Dark green, apparently, is not. What, have you got a car? You got a car, Jess? You got a blue car. You see, blue's very common, isn't it? I don't, know, I don't, I don't know what blue cars say. I just know that green is supposed to be unlucky. Who cares? Quarter past six. News headlines with Sam Pittis. A woman's been charged with deliberately starting a fire in a block of flats in Deptford. Seven. 
Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past six is the time. Uh, Jan Moyer's done a, a great feature in the paper today on uh, the Take That tribute band called Take Fat. And she says, are these chubsters really the best talent Britain's got? And the answer is, that's about as good as it's going to get. We've got Britain's Got Talent back on the television very shortly. They're already filming, and people have already been out to the shows. And they say, it's, I mean, it was thin on the ground last week, uh, last year. It's even thinner on the ground this year, because there's only so many people. Although they, they've swapped the rules. Actually, oh, I knew there was something. Uh, they, they, they've swapped the rules because there's nobody out there. I mean, the amount of people who turn up the numpties, who seriously believe they've got some form of talent is it just beggars belief i cannot believe that i can turn on the television in the year 2011 and see nobody there was more talent and opportunity knocks but this one they you know you know for the first few weeks you're going to have all the silly people that we laugh at and we can have people having tantrums and threatening this and threatening that because they're, they're just stupid you know we seem to have more stupid people in this country now who turn up on television programs you know we had those two fat girls who seriously thought they had some talent they seriously believe they had talent in their sad, deluded little world. I find it pathetic. 84850, steve at Jason in Ascot. It says to AOL, host your website. If so, maybe they pulled the plug. You wait. If I don't have any joy with AOL today, we'll be mentioning them tomorrow. He said, maybe the woman in Spain's got an internet radio with a dial. I don't know. I don't know. We, we didn't find out, actually. We haven't got any, any further output with that one. Bryn! Says, Annie and I are back once again in the smoke and catching up on many things. I went to the Rats Lodge last evening, which was small but full of fun. There's a super entertainer called Tony Barton, who lives in Walton in Liverpool. He's an avid and regular listener to you every morning and uh, says it's great. You often mention uh, Annie and me. Loves the programme, even though so many miles away. He says, and uh, slight bit of bad news. Apart from the fact that, well, the good news is that Annie sends her love and is listening as I write this. Morning, Annie. He says, Craig Douglas is having uh, a bit of trouble with his legs and ankles. Do you know I interviewed Craig Douglas years and years ago? There'll be people of a certain age who'll be going, oh, Craig Douglas. How nice. He's currently in a wheelchair. But uh, hopefully only temporary, Craig. So we send you our love and, uh, and good wishes and hope that things goes, uh, goes well for you. It's not much fun. Do you know, I went to the boot of my car there. I started clearing it out. It's a very slow process. And at the back of the boot of the car, in between... Because I keep finding things in there going, good Lord, I never knew I had that. And, uh, and I found, I think, about seven umbrellas. And in between the umbrellas... Don't ask me why I've got seven umbrellas. I give them to people. People say, oh, and I, get, and I go, it lights up. And they go, really? And so I, I give people an umbrella. I'm a bit like that. And, and in between that, I found a walking stick. Because about two years ago, my back went... And I remember thinking, oh, and I, and I bought it in the chemist. I could probably go into goods tomorrow, and Mr. Shah would probably sell me a walking stick. But uh, So I've still got this one, so I've hung on to it. And I, I nearly threw it out yesterday. I thought, I'm going to throw the walking stick out. And then I thought, you might need it. Because Jess was telling me that her other half, he's had a bad back as well. So he, he's got a stick and everything else. And, he, and a claw. And I found two of these things that the, that the rubbish people... You know, used for picking up litter on the streets. Opposed to sweeping now, they just pick up the rubbish. And I've got two of those, because when my back went, <laughs> I was having to put my, my undergarments on with a, with a coat hanger, which I'd sort of straightened out, and so I could, because I couldn't bend down, it was so much agony. And anybody who's had a bad back, and if you've got a bad back this morning, you know how bad it can be. And so I was having to do it. So then when I got the, the little claw thing to pull my pants up, I felt a lot better about life. And then I discovered I could sit down and I started being clever and seeing what else I could pick up with it. You know, a lit candle, Ooh, a glass of wine, you know, anything that you could that you could do. And I actually became quite adept and I found two of them in the boot of the car. 
So it's always worthwhile. And then Jess said to me, she said, did you find anything in there that you hadn't found for... I said, well, everything. I did have lots of Christmas hats and, I mean, real long-lost treasures. All sorts of things, going back over the years. And I've had to be quite ruthless. Because I've suddenly realised, I can't start keeping all this stuff. I'm not surprised people become hoarders. What do you do? All right, but what would you do? I go to the Festival of Remembrance most years, courtesy of Chris Christodoulou. And I love going there because it's, I'm very patriotic and I just, I just feel immensely proud going there. And, and every year I get the, the programme. And every year the poppies come down at the end and the soldiers come round with hats. They gather them up from the floor, put them in their hats, come round and give you handfuls of the poppies. And people put them inside their programmes. Do you keep the programmes year on? I mean, you'd be climbing uphill to the television if you kept everything. I don't really know what you're supposed to be keeping. So I had to be ruthless. I had to throw them out yesterday. I almost had to cross myself whilst doing it. It's terrible. I felt as depressed as I did when Darren yesterday was telling me that when you go and take a phone contract out, and Jess confirmed it this morning and everybody else, and it all came to, to a head because my godson Nathan at Christmas all of a sudden got a huge phone bill in. He's 13, coming up 13. Get a huge phone bill in, normally £25 a month, including VAT. This one was over 100 Why? Because he sent 500 extra texts. And I said, but I thought he had unlimited texts. Yes, he has. Well, then how can he be charged for 500? There must be an error. No, no, no. When the phone companies say unlimited texts, what they really mean is unlimited and we'll, until we decide you've had too many. And sometimes it might be 3,000 texts or it might only be 1,000, but they call it unlimited. I call it a lie. That's telling a lie. The word unlimited, it's like the word black. It just means black. White means White, green means green, gold means gold. Their unlimited doesn't mean unlimited. So why do they say it? Apparently it's been quite known for years. Because I often see these things, unlimited text, £25 a month. And of course it's a lie. I feel like going around with a piece of chalk and writing over it. This is a lie, it's not unlimited. Now, of times you see people in phone shops sitting there, lie, you know, having to talk to the boss, say, well, it, you told me it was unlimited. Ah, yeah, but unlimited not. Not really, I'm afraid. And now we've discovered a new one. And this is John Lewis, never knowingly undersold. In the paper today, they've added a get-out clause to their price promise. Now, before, you could go in there and they would say, never knowingly undersold, and you would then say, right, well, I'm going to buy this Samsung television. I've seen it for £588.99. You're doing it for £647. Will you price match? Now, before, they used to. Now, they're not. And the reason they're not is that they've added a clause to their price promise. And it's to do with they will only offer the same level of guarantee if it's exactly the same. So, in other words, if the cheap arrival uh, charges for delivery, then that is not the same. So they will not offer a price match. John Lewis have, I think, a free warranty on televisions. I think it's two years. So, in other words, unless the other one offers free two-year warranty, they're not going to price match. So they, they've added this little clause on the price promise. And to be honest with you, I mean, you, you, you could probably go around. The things that they, they refuse to match, a hot point washing machine, John Lewis, £279. Argos, same machine, £219. Now, that's a difference of 60 quid, And they're not price matching, because they're offering a better deal at John Lewis. So the other one charges for delivery. They charge for this and the, that and the, and the extended warranty. And so they're saying we're not going to do it. So do read the small print. None of us do. 
I don't know anybody. You know when you go in and pick up a phone, and you sign here, do you ever read it? Do you sit down and read pages? I can't even see the writing. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever, ever reads the, the small print. Even when you take out an HP agreement. Even when you take out an HP agreement and you look at it and they go, just sign here. They don't say, would you like to sit down for the next hour and a half at least and read it? No. They just say, uh, just sign here at the bottom. So we sign it. That's why I never take out HP agreements. I can't bear taking out HP. I remember years ago being not stung for an HP agreement because I'd agreed to the thing in, in the first place. And it was a car. And I'd managed to secure myself, strangely enough, an extra job at B Sky B reading the news on their news channel um, when it first started. And, uh, and it was all very nice. And LBC had the contract to supply the news. And it was done by a separate department. And uh, everybody auditioned. Everybody at LBC, all the presenters, they said, would you like to, like to audition? And, uh, and somewhere, I can't remember where, there was a clip of me with a load of quite famous people reading the news. And uh, we, we filmed it in Fleet Street. I had to come out and sort of take my glasses off and look into the camera like I was terribly deep and meaningful. And the one thing I was very good at was sight reading. I could read all the big words without making fluffs. I could read all the big words. I understood all the big words. And it was good. So they, they gave me a job. And I was reading into Selena Scott's programme. Uh, but the trouble is, nobody told me at the time what programmes you were reading into. So I sat there in a Hawaiian shirt. Because nobody ever said, oh, you're actually going to a serious programme now. So it could have been any programme. So we all, we all did that. I can't remember where the story was going, actually, why I mentioned it in the first place. But uh, that's what, where was that story going? What was the beginning of the story? I can't remember. I can't remember why I was talking about that. B Sky B buildings. Oh, anyway, it'll come back to me later. Somebody remind. I get people writing in, going, "You started telling, reading the small print." That's right. And and I I took out HP on a car. And then unfortunately, uh, B Sky B got taken over. B BSB got taken over by Sky. But I was stuck with three years HP on a car at two hundred and fourteen quid a month, which I could ill afford. So I always vowed then I'd save me money, and if I wanted anything, I'd pay cash. This is LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Monday morning on LBC. There's a lovely story in paper, which I'll bring you a little bit later on, about a bride. Nothing unusual in this one, except that she wore nine dresses. Nine wedding dresses. Anyway, before all of that, let me remind you that Nick Ferrari is with you after the news at seven. And he's going to be speaking to both Boris Johnson and Vince Cable as they kick off National Apprenticeship Week. Plus the BBC moving up north. Can it work or is it just a massive waste of money? Yes and yes, I think, on both of those. And uh, multiculturalism. Has, uh, has Mr Cameron gone too far? And Sally Burko, can she blame the backlash on sexist old Tories? Yes, she can, says Louise Bagshaw, because she's being victimised. Shouldn't have done the pictures in the first place then, really. I mean, it seems very inappropriate. But there again, never stopped her before, has it? Anyway, uh, regarding not getting HP uh, because of the contracts you have to sign, you have 15 days to cool down. No, I don't, it's, I don't get them. I choose to pay cash for everything. I can get HP if I want to, but I, why would you want to pay extra to anybody? My parents always said, if you want something, save up for it. And then you own it. The idea of, you know, you can have a sofa, but you don't have to pay for it for three years seems slightly ludicrous to me. I think if, it's like I watched people the other day, a woman buying her food and putting it on a visa card. Never heard of such a thing. HP on food. Good Lord. Anyway, Darren's back with us to tell you where to go. Good morning. Morning to you. Morning. Lovely. Oh, it's very dark out. So I've just looked out the window, actually. It's a bit darker than I thought it was going to be this morning. <laughs> Which oh, is nice. We don't day. mind. We don't mind dark and dingy, because it's February and we're going to have a nice summer. So where are we off to? 
very mixed bag for you this week. Tomorrow at the National Army Museum, you can go and listen to John Simpson talking about uh, how broadcasting has changed the way, well, big world events are reported. So right. chance to meet him, there'll be questions and answers. Who are we meeting? John Simpson. Oh, right, John. Oh, right, I've done John Simpson before. I know, yeah. Have yes. you done in conversation with him? Yes, I have, yes, absolutely. I've got his book yeah. at home. Yeah. I think reporting has changed yeah. completely. Completely. Yeah, From the early days of when I was reporting, we had reporters out on the scene. We used to send people out all over the world. Now, most people have people stationed. Anyway, so you can phone up and go, can you do a report, or we go to a local radio station. There can hardly be very many uh, massive events that he hasn't been there, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people ever realised, until they read John Simpson's book, or they saw him on the television, just how dangerous these situations are. <laughs> they're in the middle of a war zone, and they're trying to do a piece to camera... Yeah. You know, it's it's highly dangerous, and nobody ever appreciates what they do. New exhibition opening at the Natural History Museum. It's called um, Sexual Nature, and it's about the sex lives of animals. Okay. And they're choosing 100 objects from their uh, collection, from their archives, many of which haven't been seen for very many years, to show you the different ways that um, animals do it, shall we say. And one of the... Um, really? Things they're digging <laughs> this is the, at the uh, Natural History Museum? Natural History Museum. Lord. And uh, one of the uh, objects that's been taken out of the archive is Guy the Gorilla, who hasn't been seen there for a very long time. Oh, he's, he's, he's in mothballs, as they say. The, the museums were criticised a short while ago because 95% of their stock is never seen. They can only put well, out, on, I think, 5%. Yeah. Tiny amount. Like yeah. Places like the, Net, uh, the Museum of London, for example, I want to see Psycho, the automaton. They'll never bring it out. But, well, that was owned or created by uh, John Neville Maskin, wasn't it? And mm. uh, I've never seen it. I have. You have, I know. Long I time have. Ago. I went down there. For those people who don't know, Psycho was an automata that was developed years and years ago during the Victorian period, and Psycho played cards. And he yes. was a, a man sitting down on a box, and he played cards, and he would always oh. win. He was a, an automatic thing, and for some reason, I can't remember how it, it came, but he was acquired by the Museum of London, and when I went there to do a piece specifically to try and get in to see him, uh, and I asked, I said, is it possible to see Psycho? And he said, yeah, if you want. We go downstairs, and there in the corner, covered with what looked like an old piece of curtain, was Psycho, and he lifted up yeah. the, the curtain, and, there, and I remember thinking, oh, it's Psycho. But they've also got Charles I's, second, Charles I or second's execution shirt. Charles I. Charles I. After he was beheaded, yeah. the shirt was then yeah. put into storage for some reason. Actually, if we go down to the Museum of London, one thing to look out for is Andy Pandy and Teddy. They've yes. got him yes. as well. Yes, <laughs> they've got them in a, in a glass cupboard. And Bill and Ben. Yes, are they the real ones? They're the real ones, yeah. Good Lord, Andy yeah. Pandy and Teddy. I know, Happy last days. chance also... Last chance also at the National Portrait Gallery to see the photographic portrait prize of the year. I know you went to that a couple yeah, of Yeah, fantastic. Ago. I love my favourite gallery. And they're free. I like anything that's free in London. Well, this isn't free. This costs £2 to get in. I, I can just about cope £2. with £2. Pounds. £2, pounds, yes. yeah. Um, there's 60 of the best portraits. Can you imagine? 6,000 entries were yeah. um, submitted. Can you imagine having to go through that lot? I become terribly critical when I go down there. Some of them go, yes, I like that one. That's rubbish. Mm. <laughs> How did that one ever also, get in? So your last chance to see astronomy photography, photographer, rather, of the year exhibition. That's down at the Royal Observatory in Greenwich. It's free. And uh, six categories, Earth and Space, Our Solar System, Deep Space, Best Newcomer, People and Space, and Young Astronomy Photographer of 
the year. And finally, in the West End, the last two weeks of Get Into London Theatre, this is your chance to go and see a West End show from a tenor. Get into londontheatre.co.uk. And from tomorrow, Million Dollar Quartet starts previewing. Mm. This is the musical about the life, or sorry, about the day. It was one day only that Elvis, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis met at Sun Studios yeah. for the jazz session. There was a recording, apparently, session. of it. Is there? Yes. I, I, when I, I, yes, I spoke to the guys playing Sam Phillips. Uh, who owns Sun uh, Records, and there's a recording of it. And I said, why was it never released? And then I suddenly realised, I've answered my own question, it's because they were all signed to different labels. Nobody was going to let Elvis Presley release something if it wasn't on RCA. Indeed. So that opens, or starts previewing at the Noah Coward tomorrow. Uh, Wicked is recasting as well, I think this week. And as I say, get into londontheatre.co.uk. Loads of London shows still involved. £10 upwards. Right. And, uh and then there's the Steve Allen show at the Mermaid, but you can't get onto the website because it's crashed at the moment. It has crashed. Go to ctickets.co.uk for that. And at the Magic Circle, if you've ever wanted to go there tomorrow night, um, meet the Magic Circle. You can have a look at the museum, see close-up magicians, and see bits and pieces on stage as well. How do you get Who that one? Who says London's a boring place to How do you live? get to the Magic Circle? I'm going to get loads of people saying, what, you just turn up? No. You go to magiccircle.co.uk. <laughs> right. And have more detail. You've got to book in advance for that one. Right. Better be quick then if it's tomorrow. <laughs> I think you should start doing magic, Steve. Yes, I might on, on, the, on the stage show. I might, I might give really? up my flowering bush again. It was I so, might try and make you disappear. So popular it was last time, I remember. Your flowering bush. Yes, it was my. And I've got two now, which is excellent. Darren's back with us on Sunday. You, Thank you very much. Why didn't you learn to fly? Yes, good idea. Off you go. Goodbye. Thank you. 19 minutes to uh, to 7 in the morning. Hope you took off a few of those uh, items in hand. But do, do go do go and check out things you can do in London for free. There is a very good website called London for Free, and there's tons of stuff. I just tend to find, just walking about London, you get to see everything. So here's this story in the paper today of a lovely bride. Her name is uh, Helene Manka. And Helene Manka, obviously her, her parents have a little bit of money. And uh, she was getting married in... Um, Wait a minute. She can't be married in Guildford, can she? I suppose she might have been, actually. No, uh, I think she got married at a chateau near Grenoble. I think she lives in Guildford. It's not quite as exciting now. But anyway, she couldn't decide, oh, umpity umpity ump, of what wedding dress to wear. So she bought nine. Nine wedding dresses. She started at 2pm wearing a uh, London boutique wedding dress, which cost £3,200. At 3.30 at the reception, she turned up in uh, a Caroline Castigliano £2,500 dress. At 5.30, she put on a gold taffeta and lace dress, costing 1300 from Darcy Scott. At 7.30 for the banquet, she wore a £1,000 dress from uh, Pronovius. That was lace and satin ruffles. At 9.30 for the speeches, she was wearing a £900 beated, uh, beaded organza dress from Maggie uh, Sotero. For the cake-cutting ceremony, another Maggie Sotero dress, costing 2250 At 10.30 for the first dance, she wore a Vera Wang bearded organza and silk dress, costing £5,500. And to finish up, she went quite cheap with another Vera Wang. No, it wasn't a Vera Wang, beg your pardon. It was from a boutique in Guildford, 500 quid chiffon and beads. In other words, she wore each dress for an average of between 90 minutes and two hours. And uh, they won't tell you how much they all cost, but they, they reckon they did spend £10,000 on champagne. 
for this wedding. I mean, does anybody know? Give them fizzy water. They won't know the difference. And they reckon about £20,000 on the the dresses. She, it, it is the kind of thing I do. She, strangely enough, she earns £60,000 a year. And she spent this much on the on the dresses. Of the nine rejects, one went back to the shop, but the others had been altered and could not be returned. So she sold five on eBay and gave three to charity. She only earned 60 grand a year. She didn't do too bad, did she? She had seven bridesmaids and five flower girls. How lovely. Her, her parents, though, incidentally, I should point out, are investment bankers. Just in case you're thinking this is just an ordinary girl from a council estate in Guildford. No, it's not. And they did pick up the bill. They have refused to tell their daughter how much they spent. But they did say 10 grand on champagne. I would think, actually, £150,000. You know, if it's your only daughter... You're going to indulge, aren't you? Oh, I do beg your pardon. She, I've just missed another dress. 220 quid, the 2am disco one. Gold beads and lightweight material from Monsoon Bride. So she didn't do bad. Nine dresses. Everybody else is now going, oh, I'm so happy for her. I wish I had that much money to spend on wedding dress. Because you can't get, make up your mind, can you? Because you, you put it on and you go, oh, lovely. And then you get it and you think, oh, I don't like it now. And it, it, you know, it can so easily be ruined that, that you know, the biggest day of your life... I was only saying that to Elizabeth Taylor. I said, the only, you know, the big... And she went, well, I've had eight of them. And I went, OK, that's fine. You know, Zsa, Zsa Gabor, exactly the same. OK, listen, coming up to quarter to seven, it's Monday morning on LBC. More of your texts and uh, emails in a moment. It's 97.3. Let me check on the news headlines this morning with Sam Pittis. A woman's been charged with deliberately starting... ...from seven. Morning, everybody. Uh, Sadly, as you say, Paul has written, Nathan is not the only one to have fallen victim to the unlimited text scam. Because this was a story I was telling you a while ago, that that they say on the thing, unlimited text, and of course it doesn't mean unlimited. It means unlimited, but with restrictions. And he went 500 texts over at Christmas, as, you know, kids are like, they they send texts and and, uh, and they they send them to all their friends. So, I mean, even I was horrified at 500, I don't think I've sent 500 in my life. Actually, I probably have, but I mean, 500 to send in a month was a lot. And so his phone bill jumped from £25 to about £120, which is a lot for a 13-year-old. I mean, it would be paid for him by sort of, you know, bank of mum and dad. But even so, he, he, he will be doing a lot of chores to work it all off. You know, it'll be part of your birthday present, we're going to be paying your phone bill. But the, I think people fall victim to it. it. You know, I would fall if I saw unlimited text £5 a month. I'd go, well, I'm having that one. Because I would see unlimited as meaning... Unlimited. They don't even bother putting on the posters unlimited and then underneath them outside the shops with restrictions. They just put unlimited. As far as I'm concerned, I think they're doing the adverts, but outside the shops where they go unlimited, they just put that. There's no small writing. I'll check today. I'll check today. On a different tack, says Paul, I don't know if you've seen the Mary Porter's shopping programme with her fighting for the customers. Interesting to note, a certain well-known furniture store which signed onto her idea has now gone back to the old pricing system. This is after they received millions of pounds worth of free publicity. By the way, heard you mention calendars. My better half wondered, did Philip Oliver do one this year? As she couldn't find one and no shop staff knew. I'd be surprised if he didn't do one. Philip Oliver does a calendar every year. I, of course, have still got my Cheryl Cole calendar, my Justin Bieber calendar, and um, what was my other one? Michael Bublé. See, I can't remember anything. Senior moments. Uh, last week, Dawn went to the London studios to see Graham Norton's show being recorded. Uh, I wonder just how rude that is before they edit it down. I wonder what bits they cut out. I know that Jonathan Ross, when he was uh, working, um, they would almost, you know, add extra time on because of all the stuff they had to cut out. But she's going to go uh, to see Comedy Rocks with Jason Manford next week. 
which is very interesting. Now, Jess has been to see Jason Manford. We are trying to get him in for in conversation, but he's not over keen at the moment. He's not over keen after the comments I made about him after he was doing his dirty texts. And, you know, which strike, but, you know, I was going to say, you know, not something we made up, it happened. He said, it's quite funny, the other week you didn't know who Russell Kane was, and I told you he's a comedian who's on Manford show every Friday night, and I'll be seeing Russell Kane live myself. I like him, and I think that Dame Edna's going to be on my show, but I'm not sure who at Dame Edna. Good look, still doing that act, is he? Still doing it. And the Graham Norton show was broadcast on television last Friday. It's repeated tonight. Interesting to see how they edited it down because they recorded way more than the 45 minutes the show is actually on. I enjoyed watching it. Very funny. I've also been very impressed by The Wanted singing their song All Time Low. Brit nominated best single this year. Live in the studio, they didn't mime. There you go. That's, that's what you want. You know, that's our big bugbear with uh, the sort of groups who mime. I see that uh, a Christian doctor is on the front of the... Uh, Daily Mail this morning, he's been uh, sacked as a government drugs advisor after making embarrassing remarks about homosexuality. The sacking of Dr Hans Christian Reib, who's a respected family GP who takes a hard line against cannabis, threatened to plunge the controversial advisory council on the misuse of drugs into fresh chaos. Dr Reib says he's been sacrificed on the altar of political correctness. He apparently... He'd failed to declare comments made in a 2005 study which linked homosexuality and child sex offences. He then said, well, yes, I did, but it's got nothing to do with my thoughts on drugs. And that one will no doubt be uh, hitting the papers more, I think, later on today. And people will be talking about it, because, strangely enough, the, the, you know, this is the old argument, isn't it? If in doubt, you know, homosexuality, well, that's bound to lead on to child abuse. Whereas, sadly, the majority of child abuse cases... Are heterosexual couples, as uh, as have been proven in the papers time and time again. There's another anti-wrinkle cream, ladies. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. There's one every week. And this one here, uh, apparently, is the one that you're all going to be craving for. I'm not even going to mention what it is, because I get inundated with people writing and saying, oh, do tell me, do... Listen, there's nothing we can do for you, OK? The only way that you're ever going to get rid of your wrinkles is hang yourself upside down like a bat. Stay there for the rest of your life, and it will all drop... It just means that it's dropping the other way. So things that were down by your knees are now just underneath your chin. OK? So do that one. I cannot recommend... And it is a better look, I think. Whether or not you can actually get into work like that, I don't know. I suggest you go to Argos and buy one of those clothes rails and then hang yourself upside down and employ somebody and just get them to push you around everywhere. And people go, do you know you look marvellous? Don't you look good? And you can go... And, you know, and that will be it. Yes. I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, pushing around bars is going to be a bit of a problem. They're going to be talking today, I bet you on LBC, on some of the phone-ins, about obsessions. There is a, a girl here who uh, had an illness. She spent, out of the 24 hours a day, 20 hours of it showering. She was obsessed. Now, we know that lots and lots of people have had obsessive illnesses. Howard Hughes himself had an obsessive... He didn't want to do anything. His nails grew, but he used to hang on to all his wee and stuff like that. And there was newspaper on the floor. One of the richest men in the world. Paper all over the floor. He hung on to, let's just say, most most things out of his body. And, and he became obsessed with it. And I've heard of people who have this compulsion to wash their hands. I've seen people trying to open doors coming out of the bathroom because they wash their hands and then they touch the door handle. And you think, you've just kind of defeated the object. What is the point of that? You wash your hands, go to the door, open the door. The door handle's the filthiest thing in there. And yet nobody ever thinks about it. So I don't know what the answer is. Should there be a roll of paper by door handle so you rip off a bit 
and then you do the door handle like that, because that's what happens. And this, this poor girl here, in the grip of anxiety, spent 20 hours a day showering because she got out of the shower, dried herself off, and she felt dirty again. And we've all done that, haven't we? Never to the point. That's when it becomes an illness. You know, we all get in the shower. I mean, I knew somebody who could spend three hours in the bathroom in the morning and not think it was odd. Three, I mean, I'd be bored after an hour, but three hours in the bathroom. And you think, what do you do in the bathroom for three hours? This is apparently quite normal for some people. I've had texts and emails from people saying, what's the matter with three hours in the bathroom? The amount of girls who probably spend a long time in the bathroom getting ready and still emerge and it doesn't look any different. People, they will say, do you think I look different? You go, they look exactly the same. But if you look in the mirror and see something different, people who are people who are anorexic, they don't see themselves as being anorexic. They see themselves as being huge. So they have to keep losing the weight because they just they just never manage to get down to the size that they think they should be. And by the way, if you're over 50 this morning, as indeed I'm sure a few of you are, the good news is that you're having the time of your love life. Because apparently after 50, not sure whether I'm excited about this or not, your love life gets better and better and better. <laughs> Lovely. So... The few extra years on the clock were apparently all at it like rabbits. Emma Soames of Saga magazine says there's absolutely no reason why people cannot go enjoying intimacy in their later years. Too much information. We don't really want to know about that kind of thing, do we? You know, when you're a young person, you don't want to think about your parents or anybody like that. You kind of look at them thinking, well, I'm sure you don't. And that's the way it works. But uh, apparently they are. And they're all doing it quite a lot. They're just not telling people. You certainly don't book into a bed and breakfast and tell anybody. Good Lord, definitely not at all. Um, the woman paying for her groceries, a Visa card, was it a credit card? No, it was a credit card. Because I have a Visa debit. And, uh, and the Visa credit card turned into MasterCard. So I've now got MasterCard. Yeah, well, I've got MasterCard. My bank changed them. And then, strange enough, they don't still do access cards, do they? Do they do access cards anymore? That was an access card. was the same as Visa. You had American Express, Diners, Access... Visa, or Barclay card. But no, it was definitely credit cards. I never use my credit card at the supermarket, but the debit card from my bank is from Visa, and I use it to pay for groceries. It comes out the account next day. Yes, I mean, I have one. I've never used a card anywhere. Never use it anywhere. Uh, a friend of mine got his card cloned in a well-known high street retailer in Oxford Street, where he fell for that old scam. The address doesn't quite match up, sir. Won't be one minute. And the assistant took it back. They cloned it, brought it back to him. He knew nothing until two weeks later... They started trying to put money on it. So just remember, do not let your card out of your sight. It's a lot safer that way. Listen, don't forget to podcast the programme. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you can learn how to podcast. We'll try and get the Steve Allen Show website back and running for tomorrow. Otherwise, we're in dire trouble, aren't we, for the 26th of this month at the Mermaid Theatre. So we'll try and sort that out. Don't forget to read the uh, the podcast. Nick and the team, loads of things for you to talk about this morning. You wait till today. It's going to be an explosive day, I feel, on 97.3. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Nick after seven. First of all, Sam Pittis with the business update. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 14 14-